You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate, the phone number here is 608-501-0718. So um, what we're going to do is somewhat of, a, I guess, a little bonus Packernet After Dark episode based on, you know, uh, where the guys are drafted and whatnot. It wouldn't make any sense to do this super late at night, especially since I'm doing the live stream, and then I have to record uh, the Packernet podcast. So th- this will be a Packernet After Dark in the afternoon kind of thing. I got to see who's releasing what. I'm not sure, but we'll find a little slot for this guy. But, um, yeah, we're going to get ca- caught up on some calls, and we're going to... Uh, Focus on post-draft picks, so after the pick came in. But with that said, why don't we go ahead and get started with what I believe is the first call after the pick was made. Ryan. Hey. This team can go F off. The only guy I hated in this class. F this team. Yeah, it's pretty brutal if that's the guy you hated. Um Again, he was on my list of please don't drafts, which was most... Again, the first round is my least favorite round of this entire draft. I did not... Let's let's look at it. So, I didn't like the quarterbacks. Wasn't a huge fan of Will Anderson. Not a huge fan of Jalen Carter. Loved Devin Witherspoon, but he's a corner. Not a huge Tyree Wilson guy. Didn't necessarily care for Christian Gonzalez. Definitely didn't like Anthony Richardson. Loved Bijan, but he's a running back. Um... Didn't really like Jackson Smith and Jigba very much. Peter Skaronsky I like, but he's a guard. Paris Johnson I didn't necessarily like because he just couldn't handle a bull rush. Right? He, he's, he's athletic. He can move real well, but he doesn't handle power, and Lucas Van Ness proved that. Uh, didn't like Joey Porter. Didn't like Lucas Van Ness. Didn't like Nolan Smith. Didn't like Miles Murphy. I like Broderick Jones. I like Darnell Wright, but he's mostly a run blocker and had red flags. Uh, didn't like Deontay Banks. I like Michael Mayer, but it's not a good value for tight end. Uh, I like Zay, but he's way too small, so I didn't care for him. I like Jordan Addison, but he's a little too small, so kind of iffy on him. Didn't like Brian Branch. Was so-so on Quentin Johnston, but didn't really like him at, I guess, 13. Didn't like Kalijah Cansey. Didn't like Dalton Kincaid. Didn't like Brian Brzee. I like Jameer Gibbs, but it's way too early for him, despite what the Lions think. Uh, didn't like Emmanuel Forbes. I did like Anton Harris, another tackle. Uh, Osiris Torrance is decent, but you know, whatever. Uh, like Will McDonald, but he's a little small, right? So that's, I mean, we're, we're getting into the second round now. I don't really like any of these guys. So the point is that there really wasn't a situation where I was going to be super stoked 
Tackle would have been my favorite, and pretty much any of them. Even Paris, I would have been okay with. Peter, I would have liked. But even that, it's like, I don't know, man. Tackle? like I know it's kind of a need, but we do have two tackles. We're going to have to put the guy probably at right tackle, and I, I, I don't know. I think it would have made some sense, but it also wasn't... I, I, I was okay with it. I, th- I thought that was the best option was tackle. I didn't really like anything else. Now, of the guys I didn't like, who did I like the most? Well, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez. Um, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba would have been okay with because, again, of the hype and what people were saying about him. I wouldn't have liked him based on anything I necessarily saw. Uh, Lucas Van Ness would have been one of them. And then, um, then you get like Michael Mayer, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Dalton Kincaid. That would have been kind of the list because you get the the pass the pass catchers. That even though I didn't like them, it's exciting. But uh, yeah, Lucas Van Ness was was high on the list of you know guys that I didn't like. But I I didn't like this entire group to be completely honest with you. There's just really nobody that I was super excited about. You know, I mean, I I would have been, as far as like furious, you got like Joey Porter, obviously any of the quarterbacks, Nolan Smith would have really bothered me, Miles Murphy would have really bothered me, Deontay Banks, I mean, you know, you got the athleticism, but I just did not like him at all. Brian Branch obviously would have really annoyed me, although, again, I think he's a corner, so I would have just assumed that we're doing that and been like, okay, we got a pretty solid corner, I guess, but that would have really bothered me. Kalijah Kansi would have really bothered me. Brian Brzee would have really bothered me. So those are the guys that are like, absolutely, I don't know if I could have come around to it. So it's sort of, Lucas Van Ness was kind of mid-tier. And then when you really dig in, because that's the other thing, I'm going through scratching the surface. We read a little bit of what the the Dane Brugler thing says, a little bit of what PFF has to say, watch one or two games, and then kind of wrap it up in your brain, right? Um, But, uh, you know, one of the things, remember how I'm constantly talking about as we go through this, when I go watch tape i feel so douchey saying that but when i go watch the tape i don't know what else to call it the games i guess it's always 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 the worst games the two games that i watched for lucas van ness were michigan which is his worst game one of only two games in the 50s and ohio state which is his fourth worst game it was a 63 grade more than half of his entire season is 70s and 80s right i mean there's there's really only four games there's technically five but one's a 68 we might as well call that a 70 there's only four games that are average to subpar, and I watched two of them. So once you kind of see it, then you can see the vision, right? You, you can't deny the problems when you watch Lucas Van Ness, but you also see a guy that is absolutely, and, and again, it's one of the things that I always say I like, but apparently I just missed it, is just the absolute raw power that very few people have. And I did mention that when I, when I did the the review of Lucas Van Ness, the power is evident. We just need to turn that into something productive, right? Way too many times he stands the, the tackle straight up or the guard or the center or whoever he happens to be going up against because he has ridiculous versatility. And that was like all the time because he gets unbelievably low. That was one of the things I read yesterday is play after play after play. The guy is coming out at a 45 degree angle. I don't even know how he does that. So he doesn't shoot. A lot of these guys, they shoot out of their stance and they stand straight up and then they run into the guy. They try to use their hand movements. Or He comes out at a 45 degree angle, gets underneath the guy, uses his ridiculously long arms and his power to stand the guy straight up and get great control. That's perfect. But when a running back runs right next to you and you can't get your arm out to tackle him, it's useless. So it's it's got to get some refinement, right? He has to learn another pass rush move, first of all. Not everything can just be a bull rush. And then we've got to get a little bit more production. 
You got to be able to beat the guy in front of you and then get, you know, use that ridiculous ability you have to not just stand him up, but get him the heck out of your way and then get to the quarterback. You know, shed the guy and make a tackle in the backfield. He, he, he just missed too much. So again, it was, dang, that's awesome, but it never materialized into like doing something. But the, the point is, obviously he has the ability to do something because he, if you can dominate the tackle, that's, that's you know, 90% of the battle. Now, I will say, I, 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 I think there's going to be a lot of people who are never going to come around to this pick because we didn't get a wide receiver. You know, that's bottom line. You didn't get a wide receiver, you, and, and it's just going to be goot hate over and over again. But I don't necessarily think that's going to abate because I have a feeling he's not exactly going to come into the NFL and just dominate because he just needs more refinement. And I do think that's going to take a little bit of time, right? I don't think he's going to, you know, go straight to Green Bay and get in with the coaches and all that stuff. I mean, he's going to go to work, but it's just hard that they're going to develop this entire pass rush repertoire and, you know, counter moves and all this stuff so that he's ready day one. I think it takes time. And I think people are going to be really angry. I think some people that have come around to the pick are going to go back and say, no, it was a stupid idea. Never mind, I was wrong. And all the people that hated the pick are going to feel vindicated, just like they did with Rashawn Gary. So that's my, that's my honest assessment. He has got freakish ability that some people, I mean, he, basically Tyree Wilson's another guy that's kind of like that. But I do think Lucas Van Ness probably has, I don't want to say more upside because Tyree is just an absolute freakist in terms of his power. But I think Lucas Van Ness can develop into a more well-rounded pass rusher. Tyree is a more straight-up, just power and I don't think he has that upside of being able to develop you know like again Van Ness has ridiculous balance because of his hockey background or at least that's what he attributes it to so he has that bend ability that I don't know that Tyree Wilson necessarily has it's just it's hard when you're you know six foot six and you're just a a giant tree to be able to get that whole big long body to to turn that way but I think Tyree probably comes into the NFL and dominates day one because he's just so ridiculously powerful. And and listen, I think Lucas Van Ness is going to have his moments, you know, especially when you start doing stunts and stuff, when he's lined up across from the tackle and then just goes straight for the guard who's not expecting it, and that guy's just going to get freaking obliterated. You get hit from the side with that level of power. You know what I mean? There's going to be some stuff. And there's things like, you know, Paris Johnson. Again, you go watch that Ohio State. That he can't, there's guys that just can't handle the power. He's just stronger. And so even though you know it's coming, it doesn't really matter. Honestly, it's too bad Paris Johnson didn't go to the Bears. People are upset about the Darnell Wright pick to the Bears. As much as I love to trash the Bears, I'm a Darnell Wright fan, and it would have been nice to have Paris Johnson playing over there where Lucas Van Ness, even though he's maybe a little bit unrefined, that one thing that he can do is the one thing Paris can't do. And so you get you get at least two wins a year playing the Bears twice a year. Anyway, so we're 0 for 1 as far as liking the pick. Hey, Pack Daddy. Hey. Justin. Jacob. Bramble. Lane. <laughs> We're sitting here, Pack. We just took Lucas Van Ness. Um, you seem to ignore more of my messages than my calls, so I figured I'd call and get my feedback on the pick. Never ignored any of your calls. I might have skipped some because we're skipping to the front of the line, um, but I'll try to get back to them. But I've never, I don't think I've ever skipped a call. Definitely not upset. Definitely not super excited. Um, it's going to take like two years, like Gary did, so not super impactful for the defense. Right. See, and, I, and again, I don't even know, because remember, Rashawn was third on the depth chart and just did not get a lot of opportunities. So I think you're right. It's going to take some time, but I think that will be accelerated because he's going to be starting. So he'll have significantly more snaps under his belt than Rashawn did. Um, 
ideally, you try to get him as many snaps in one year as Rashawn had in two, so that by year two, he's rock, rocking and ready to go. And hopefully by maybe mid-year one, you start to see that refinement and stuff. And and that's, again, not to say, as I said yesterday, that's not to say he's useless in year one. It's just he's not what you hoped and dreamed. That comes a little bit later. But you're still going to see some plays. That's my assumption. The way but probably a good pick for the future, which what the draft is about. I'm not looking for grand slams that are going to make the Super Bowl this year. So, um, I guess I'll be here for the rest of the night. Talk to you later. Feel free to call in. I won't skip your calls. All right, it's it's Lucas Van Ness. Like I'm not I'm not sad about it. Like I wanted wanted Skaronsky, wanted JSN. Um, Skaronsky was gone, but JSN was there. I, he was there, man. And I know a lot of people weren't as high on him, but I don't know. I'm a little. Here, here's here's the biggest thing that I can say about JSN that nobody seems to want to acknowledge. The Bears passed on JSN to re reunite him with his quarterback, right? The Titans passed on him. The Lions could have used him. They passed. Now maybe not. They passed on him. The Packers passed on him. Right. The the Patriots, who desperately need wide receiver help, traded out of the spot. The Jets, who absolutely would have been able to put him with Aaron Rodgers, went with Will McDonald. Washington could have used him. They picked a corner. The Patriots, who need a wide receiver, and traded back. And JSN still on the board at seventeen went with Christian Gonzalez. The Lions took a linebacker. Tampa could have used him. They took a defensive tackle. It wasn't until pick 20 that Seattle took him. So the point is, we've been hearing all year, it's not a good wide receiver class since day one. I genuinely think, and I could be wrong, and I don't mean to assume anything or whatever, but one of the things I started saying just like three days ago is I said, I have to stop saying that I like Jackson Smith and Jigba because I don't. The only reason I'm saying I like Jackson Smith and Jigba is because everybody's telling me I should like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I like what people tell me he is on paper. People tell me he's an elite route runner who's going to be in the slot and he's all these things. He's great after the catch and all that. But I never, ever saw that. Ever. I can go watch Zay Flowers and see that all day long. I never saw Jackson Smith just destroy people off the line. I never saw him break ankles. He ran very generic routes, ended up getting open. And, and catching passes. You know, he ran to the open part of the field. Every freaking wide receiver on planet Earth can do that. And that's not to say he's bad. He's a really smooth player. He's got a great three cone, so I don't doubt that he can do it. I just didn't see it. He's got good hands, solid after the catch, although, again, he's not super fast, so him running away from small school guys is not really going to happen in the NFL. He's going down pretty quick. So I, I, I guess I'm not going to tell you what happened in your brain, but I, I think you need to do what I did and say how much of my love for this guy is because people told me to love him. Same with Dalton Kincaid. I did the exact same thing. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop saying I like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Dalton Kincaid because I will go back and I watch him and I watch him and I watch him and I never see anything. And that's that. You know, it's entirely possible I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. And the point is the NFL told us by virtue of where they ended up going. And remember, teams overdraft wide receivers. They take them way too early because of how highly valued they are. Every single year. And the clear number one wide receiver was overdrafted at pick 20. So, I mean, look, it's it's one thing if we were picking at, you know, 10 and he's there and he goes at 11. Which I thought, and that's the thing, I thought it would happen. Because everybody right down the line, they're all guys that need those wide receivers. Just boom, 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 all the way down the line. You know, who who had 
12. I think it was uh, the or, or 11, I mean. 14, you idiot. 14, Patriots. 15, Jets. 16, Washington. You know, just all the it was just a gauntlet that I, I, I even said on the stream, you know this is where guys are going to start flying off the board. The fact that there was a gauntlet of teams that could desperately use wide receivers in a league in which everybody overdrafts wide receivers and they let these wide receivers, all of them, go right past tells you everything you need to know about how good he actually was. Now, it's possible every single one of these guys is wrong, but how convicted are you about JSN based on what you saw personally, not what everybody told you to see? How convicted are you based on what you saw personally on his route running and everything else? How convicted are you that you're right and the NFL is, is wrong? I'm not trying to play the, the argument from authority or whatever. Well, they would know better than you. Not necessarily, but again, they do know more than you and me. And be very, very honest about how much you actually watched. Not just listen to what people told you. Not just uh, watching highlight reels or whatever. Like, you saw him out there running routes, just breaking ankles, because I didn't see it. Just a suggestion for everybody that's upset about the JSN thing. Well, I'm a little upset. I'm not the most upset, because, like, uh, Lucas Van Ness was probably my next guy after those two. Okay. So, not the worst thing in the world. But, Jesus, man, Bijan went eight. He went eight. Yeah. Eighth overall for a running back. I know. Well, and then Jam- I thought he was going to... That's the other thing to consider. Jameer Gibbs went at 12. We had two running backs go before a single wide receiver went. Think about that. Drop to 10. You want to talk about value? You're talking about a, a late first round running back. And, and that's the thing. Everybody also told us there's about 14 first round picks in this draft. Which tells you what? There was, there was at least one team, the, the, the Lions, that took Jameer Gibbs. Why? Because he's one of the last first round picks that they have on their entire board. That's why they took him. And I'm guaranteeing you zero teams had Jackson Smith and Jigba, at least I shouldn't say zero teams, but any of the teams in that range where he would have been drafted had him as a first-round pick. Because nobody had 20 first-round picks on their board, right? I mean, maybe, maybe Seattle did, but I don't think so. And and again, if you you have just like one guy left on your board that's a first-round pick, what are you going to do? You're going to trade up. Did anybody trade up for Jackson Smith and Jigba? No, because... Those teams, you know, maybe the Texans had him as a first-round pick, but all the, they already made all their picks or whatever. So maybe if they were at 13 or 14 or 15, they would have done it. I'm not saying nobody did because we heard that some teams did. But none of the teams that were in that range had him as a first-round pick. So presumably even Seattle that took him saw him as a second-round prospect, unless they had 20, in which case he's one of the last ones left that fell to you, and you got extremely lucky. And again, why wouldn't you trade up and get him if, if like Jackson Smith is the only guy left and it's like you're sweating it out, hoping that he makes it to you? Just go up and get him. Nobody did. Leafs at the Eagles for sure, but oh my god! Oh man, I don't know. I had a great draft though. Um, I don't know how how your draft went, Ryan. Uh, hope you had a, a blast. I wasn't able to tune in. Had my own stuff going on. Um, had way too much pizza and beer. Yes, obviously, if you can't tell. But go pack, go. We got a uh, got a new edge. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I mean, again, my instant reaction was to be upset. I expected it. Again, he was he was number two on my list of who I think the Packers will take. I thought the Clemson guy was very comfortable. That was the pick. Very, very excited because I could not stand him. Lucas Van Ness I didn't necessarily like. Similar to like Tyree Wilson. Like, I get it. The guy's a freaking beast. But I'm, I've got some concerns, right? That's where I was with Lucas Van Ness. 
Miles Murphy. Ugh. I even went because when I said I'm, I'm positive or quite sure that's who we're going to pick, I went back and watched him. I'm like, I got to convince myself because this is going to happen. I couldn't do it. I wish I would have gone back and watched Lucas Van Ness because at least then I could have been like, all right, I get it. Because you can see him winning. I couldn't see Miles Murphy freaking winning anything. And that's, that's again where, you know, when you compare the two guys, like Miles, I'm sure, has a ton of upside and a ton of talent in certain areas. But a lot of it comes down to like technique and, and all this stuff. And, but I, I personally will take the guy that's just bigger, faster, stronger than you. You know what I mean? And then, and then build around that to teach you how to use those tools, as opposed to a Miles Murphy that, I mean, when it's just mano a mano and he gets into a tackle, the tackle doesn't move. Lucas Van Ness will always move you at least a little bit, with the exception of maybe the Ohio State right tackle. <laughs> Although he did spin him around on one play. I was pretty impressed by that. Like hit him in the shoulder. And I think it was kind of a bigger collision that went there. But man, he just got spun around. I was like, oh, dang. But again, similarly, Take a step back, reevaluate things, understand that what you were told by all the draft experts, all they were doing is guessing what the league thought. So th that's the funny part about all this. All they're trying to do is to tell you what they think the NFL thinks. And so they told you that they think the NFL thinks that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a really, really good player and that the Packers really love Jackson Smith and Jigba and that the Packers are going to, they moved up to 13 so that they can get closer to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And that got us excited about Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then when we didn't and nobody else did, we got upset. Why? Why? Because we were told wrong information about how good he is and how much everybody loves him. But if all we're doing is going off of what the NFL likes, now we just learn new information. And it's the only time we got real information. And the real information is, he's good, he ain't that good. He clearly would have been a second-round pick had we been, you know, it, it would have been like in the, the, the Traylon Burks range or possibly even after him. And that's just Lucas Van Ness. Zero of those other guys would have been first-round picks. Maybe Addison. I don't know. I, it, it's possible. I don't think Quentin Johnson's a first-round pick. If, if we were in, like, last year's class. Zay, zero chance. A guy that small, no way. And, and you know, Dalton is kind of an iffy thing because Buffalo has a, a, a unique, I shouldn't say unique need, but, but, you know, that's something they've got their eye on in terms of how they can certainly specifically use him. But tight end's kind of a different question anyways because they, they are actually really good tight ends. It's just a matter of what is the value of, of the tight ends. And again, that's another thing that we learned. I mean, we all, we know it's a good tight end class and, and Gutekunst told us that, but there's still tight ends. And so it's, it's a question of how good. Like, we've seen a tight end go top 10 before. Is it that good? The answer was no. Okay, but they're, like, mid-first round good? No. What about first round good, period? The answer is no. Because, again, none of them actually went first round in terms of anybody's board. He went back of the first round in a draft in which pretty much most of the scouts that Bob McGinn talked to said there's about 14, 15 first round picks, which is terrible. So if you're going late 20s, you are not on anybody's board as a first round pick. So take a step back, reevaluate, understand that we have to erase everything that we were, and not everything. Some of, some of it is what people's actual assessments were, but a lot of it that we've been hearing, quote unquote, word on the inside and all that stuff and, and hype from around the league, we can throw all of that away because the league is now telling us what they think. And if we don't care because we think the NFL is stupid, why are we so excited about all these leaks? Inside information. Who cares? I don't care what the NFL GMs think. I, th I, I care what um, Daniel Jeremiah thinks. Like, that's just such a weird stance to have, but okay. You know what I mean? Just saying. We got to reset. We got to completely throw out every... Because that's what I've been saying for a while, too, is this is all just a game. It's like fantasy football. It's us playing a game. We're playing dress up. We're playing house. When we go out and quote unquote scout players and all that, we don't know jack squat. So now we have to go back and relearn stuff.
Any hoosie, what's it? We've got a couple new callers that have started flooding in since I posted a uh, shout out on Twitter. So let's get started with a couple new callers. Turn up the volume. What's going on, new caller? Hey, this is Angry Mike um, with uh, PackersForTheWin.com with hey. Bruce Irons. And, you know, I've been on uh, Twitter since last night, early this morning. And i got to say, man, Lucas Van Ness is an absolute monster. Yeah. Uh, 272 pounds, 458, 40, and eight sacks, 40-plus pressures as a sophomore uh, with one of the top five defenses at Iowa. The thing with Iowa is they tend to get, you know, overlooked for, you know, supposedly more athletic uh, defenses like Georgia, Alabama, teams like that. But looking at Jack Campbell is a stud, too, Lucas Van Ness. And Iowa players are just sound players. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited. I think everybody else should be in Packer Nation. Um, wide receivers, tight ends just were not going to happen in the first round that early. The value's not there. Yeah, and, and again, I just want to add the caveat. I'm assuming you would agree. If the value were different, the Packers very well may have taken a wide receiver. But here's the other problem. They probably wouldn't have. Because if there was a guy worth the pick at pick 13, he would have gone at pick 8. So that might be part of the reason why the Packers don't draft very many wide receivers. And I keep pre- you know, keep preaching about the RAF, the rel- relative athletic score. No player has been drafted in the first round by Green Bay that's had less than 8.37 uh, under Goody. And that was uh, Savage. That didn't really work out. JSN was in the low 8.3s. Lucas Van Ness, 9.39, the same as Nick Bosa, yeah. and just as productive. Look on my on my account, Twitter, at angry underscore Packers, and you'll see Lucas Van Ness go up against Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, and he just destroys them. So enjoy. Love the podcast. Love interacting with you. Have a great day. Yeah, it's been good to, uh, to meet you, I suppose, Angry Mike. And... Um... I gotta say, you're not living up to your name very well. I generally, when there's angry in front of something that's a Packer fan, you're supposed to call in and, and complain and get angry about stuff. I want to add to what you mentioned about the athleticism. Um, Ross Uglum has posted this on Twitter. It says, "Players at any position ever who weighed 270 plus pounds ran faster than four six and three cone less than seven oh five. Here's the list: Trayvon Walker, Lucas Van Ness." There is no one else on the list. So that's size, that's speed, and that's agility, right? Uh, Pedro, I saw this. He's the one that uh, commented this, but he added, he said, just a little caveat for the we reached crowd. The other guy on the list was number one overall, just saying. And and again, this really speaks to the upside. And that's why even when I hear people say Bosa, I'm like, dude, freaking like chill. All right, just chill. And I'm certainly not expecting him to be Bosa, but the entire point of drafting Lucas Van Ness is that he has Bosa upside. If you've watched Bosa, first of all, if you look at Bosa, he is an absolutely, he, he is an Adonis. His body is just different. That's the same thing with Lucas Van Ness, right? Very long arms, unbelievably powerful. The difference with Bosa, though, is his technique is, is unbelievable. He's got the power and the size and the length, but he also has the bend. He has the pass rush moves. He has everything else. So Lucas Van Ness is light years away from what Bosa is, Nick or Joey for that matter. And I am not saying that he'll ever get there. 
But if you have a if you have an opportunity to draft a guy that has Nick Bosa upside, I think you have to do it. There are very few people, non-quarterbacks, that have more value than Nick Bosa. All right, next new caller. Hello. I think it's a good. Hey. I think it's a great pick. Thank you. Um, we addressed something we needed. We got rid of that. Dean Lowry. Got me in this. I like that addition. Um, I thought this was interesting. My player comparison to Lucas Van Ness would be Jarrett Allen. Hey, there from you go. Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I know it's not like a great comparison for Packers fans, but I kind of see the comparisons on the field where he can be a good pass rusher and also a player that can help us stop the run. And I think that's kind of what the Packers were looking for, a player that could stop the run and also get to the quarterback when we kind of need him to. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's very similar to Rashawn in that his primary attribute right now is run defense because he stands the guy up and completely creates a lot of congestion and everything else. And, and so, so it's primarily the run defense where he thrives, but it's being able to teach guys, hey, look, you have the power and athleticism and freakiness to completely dominate the man across from you. We got to teach you how to turn that into pass rush productivity. It's like, well, I can push him back. It's like, I know, I know you got that. You're good at that for sure. We're going to teach you a couple other things. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's these really, and, and again, I keep saying the same thing. If you look at a lot of the other pass rushers, even Will McDonald, who I freaking love with a passion, watching his tape, the problem with Will McDonald is what you see is what you get. And what you get might be great, assuming that translates into the NFL. He could be fantastic. If it doesn't, though, it's a problem because there's not a lot of growth left. It is what it is. He's not going to get taller. He's not going to get heavier. He's not going to get faster. You can teach him a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I think... You know, perhaps some teams are looking at that a little bit more, and certainly fans, myself included, look at that. You look at a player, and the question is, is he good? The Packers don't really do that. They look at a player and say, what can he be? So I think it was a great pick. I think um, what we do with this second round, there's 42 and 45, is probably we go a tight end. I think we have to go tight end with 42 and 45. And then with 45, um... 45, I can't tell you what we're doing with 45, but I know we're going tight end either uh, 42 or 45. And I'm going to say it's Darnell Washington. I love it. No one thinks it. Darnell Washington. Uh, Breaking up a little bit. I'll see you later. Just call you Aaron Rodgers for that cell phone service. Um, we do have to come up with a name for you. I will ask the robot because that's the way we do things here. But yeah, I, I was uh, talking to um, half-Mexican lawyer Blaine and just talking about what we could possibly do and how, man, I really like these tight ends. It's hard to pick one. And I said as a joke, maybe we should just take two. And then as I thought about it, I don't have any issue taking two. I know we need more wide receiver depth, and we can get that. But you're getting two receivers if you get two tight ends. And I tell you what, I, I think if we ended up, for example, with like Darnell Washington and Sam Laporta, I like it because they're kind of the opposites of the extremes. I think Michael Mayer is kind of a little bit more in between, maybe sort of more of a do-everything. But to me, that's like Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon, but hopefully a lot better than Robert Tunyon. I'm not saying I think we're going to do it. I, 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 would, I would say it's more likely we get zero tight ends than two tight ends. Although I agree that we're going to get tight ends. And th here's the reason why. 
If I had to guess, are we getting a tight end in the second round? My answer would be yes, despite the fact that I've been begging for that pretty much every year and it never happens. The reason? Well, what's the deepest um, or the best class in the draft this year, according to Gutekunst? It's edge. What's the next position he always brings up? Tight end. If you're going to take what the draft gives you and the tight ends are falling, and by the way, what did Gutekunst say? We, we love the way the board fell. All the receivers and tight ends fell. Well, not all the receivers. I guess all the receivers you expected to be gone were probably gone. They just went later than you would expect. But who fell? The tight ends. So he's feeling really good about that. And um, I know JJ had posted this earlier, but I, I tend to agree. I think if, uh, if a tight end goes early, like if Michael Mayer is the first pick, I think Brian Gutekunst picks up the phone real fast. Like, we are not losing these tight ends. we got to get one. Just a guess. And it's probably going to be Musgrave just to annoy me. And then I'm going to have to learn to love Musgrave and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, trying to get a list of names, and one of the first name options is Van Nessa. Like Vanessa, but it's Van Nessa. Vanessa Runstopper, Lucas Sackmaster, <laughs> Darnell Tightgrab, <laughs> Minnesota Mauler, Packer Pursuer, Quarterback Quencher, Rock Blocker, <laughs> Rock Blocker, <laughs> Run Rumbler. <sighs> I really want to go with Van Nessa Rushstopper, so... I apologize, man, but that's what we got to do. All right, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we've got one more new caller to get to. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I would love for somebody to explain to me how the Packers had seven first-round draft picks on last season's defense, and they weren't even top 15. So how is adding an eighth first-round draft pick going to make this defense any better? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's just not how I think about things. Um, I mean, you, you could say that for anybody. You know, the... the um, Baltimore Ravens are constantly swinging at wide receivers and constantly missing. Now, the Packers aren't really missing. That's a separate issue, but let's just stick with the idea here. They don't have any wide receivers. Should they draft a wide receiver or not? 
Yeah, they need it. So first of all, the the draft pick, the, Brian Gutekunst's job is to go out and get the best possible player. And this was the best player on the board. This is the guy with the highest upside. I think a lot of Packer fans got themselves whipped up into the idea that you come up with a plan prior to the draft. And we've been hearing this for months now, right? The idea that uh, I think we need to go offense. We need to get Jordan Love some help. You know, what's the point? We're always doing defense and it doesn't do any good. So screw it. Let's go offense. I get that that's fun to talk about, but that's not how you build football teams. It's not on a whim of some generalized strategy especially when that strategy is based on, I don't know, screw it, we suck anyways. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the mentality. And what are we talking about? Taking a second-round wide receiver at pick 13 over a top 10 pass rusher because it's not good enough. And I, I'm, I'm with you on the defense needs to perform better. And again, and I've reminded people of this several times, the defense was very, very good down the stretch. Everybody looks at the overall defensive ranking because the first half of the you know, defensive rankings were abysmal. And look, it's a really small sample size, but the reality is what we were told is Joe Barry made some adjustments after the bye week. Now, there were only four games after the bye week. So if you, if you want to just say BS, I'll believe it when I see it. I understand that. But when, when we're told up front, we, we looked at some things over the bye week. We decided to make some adjustments and some changes. And they go from the 15th best, um, excuse me, the 23rd best defense to the third best defense. It's worth at least asking the question, is this legitimate? It's a big jump. And even PFF acknowledged it. I mean, to be honest, the last time they had a bad game was against Philadelphia. And even then, it was more inconsistent than bad. If you look at it from the PFF standpoint, which is what Brian Gutekunst talked about, it wasn't a consistently bad defense, but it was a defense that, for whatever reason, would have good games and then terrible games. The first two weeks, the defense's grades were 48 and 38. Or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong column. Uh, The first week was a 52 then basically 70-70, then 60-60, 60, then 85 against Washington, right? Defense shows up, awesome, great. Then 50, 58, 65, then 72, which is great, and then 40 against the Eagles, right? So you've got these just random garbage games mixed with subpar games, and then it wasn't until the second, uh, not the second half, but after the bye week that things started to not even necessarily pick up, but get more consistent. It was just there were no more bad games, and, and, and that's what, when you ask Brian Gutekunst about it, he talks about consistency. Because I think we get it in our head, if you're the 15th best defense or the 23rd best defense or whatever it is, that's just what you are every single week. That's what you are total, when really there, there's a larger picture. Some defenses are consistently bad over the course of you know, the, the season. Some are elite and then garbage and then elite and then garbage. Like, all of them have their own identity. So you got to figure that out and then figure out why that happened. And I don't know the reason why that happened. I don't know what caused that. I think, I think Joe Barry bears a lot of the blame, but so do the players. The bottom line is what, what it seemed like to me, Joe Barry had a very distinct idea of how the defense would run and our guys couldn't do it. They were lost. The, the DBs in particular were completely lost. And then they started throwing a fit. I want to play man coverage. I should be on this, that, or the other. And Joe Barry, rather than saying, I don't give a crap what you think. You don't get to complain. I drew up a game plan and you guys couldn't do it. That's on you, not on me. Instead of doing that, he's like, all right, fine. I guess I'll cave and I'll do whatever you want. And guess what? We put Jair in man-to-man coverage and he still couldn't win. Bears fans will all too happily remind you that Equinemius St. Brown beat the guy, right? Now, not consistently, but still. So all this talk about, oh, you, you put Jair on him, he'll shut him down. And then that didn't happen. And then we go back to zone and people still kept saying it for some reason, as though we didn't just see it fail. 
And then again, you also have to remember, we lost Rashawn Gary. He is the best defensive player we have on the entire team. We lost Eric Stokes. We lost some pieces. And, and so there were a lot of just weird things going on with guys not understanding what needs to happen. The safeties obviously just have no idea how to operate within this system. Adrian Amos has been one of the consistently best safeties over the last, I don't know how many years, since forever, and he went to zero, as did Darnell Savage. We can pretend Darnell Savage has always been this bad, but that's absolutely untrue. The safeties got significantly worse. The corners looked lost. The pass rush was not there. It just wasn't working, and it took until the freaking bye week for Joe Barry to figure it out. Now, we could talk about firing Joe Barry and finding somebody else out or whatever, but to get back to the original point of we shouldn't draft any more defense because screw them, they can't do it anyway, so let's just have a terrible defense and then reach on second-round prospects at wide receiver and load up there and see if that helps. I just don't think that that's how that works. And I tried to get rid of that expectation among Packer fans as best as I possibly could because I knew that was never going to happen. No team builds that way. And so going into the draft, just assuming, man, Gutekunst better think the way I think, he better agree that we need offense and not defense, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because nobody thinks that way. And that's not how that works. And the fact of the matter is, the defense was stacked, this is why I said we're taking an edge rusher, the defense was stacked in that position, not in, not in the positions that we want. Tight end and wide receiver just were not good values at 13. If we were picking at the back of the first, this might have been, it's kind of funny. We're always picking at the back of the first and all the good wide receivers go early. This is the one year we probably could have gotten a wide receiver, but we were picking too early. <laughs> but all I can say, and, and you know, fan how you want to fan, but all, all I would encourage you to do is to never get upset at a GM who tries to go out and find the best possible players for the team. That's his job. I don't need him to, to get all galaxy brain, 3D, 4D, underwater, upside down, inside out chess. Just go find good players and put them on the team. It's the coach's job at that point to figure out how to make it work. And if they can't, you fire them and get somebody else. And again, well, then they should have. Yeah, maybe they should have. That's a, that's a Matt LaFleur situation. But I'm not going to change what makes sense from a GM perspective because Matt LaFleur is potentially making a really bad decision. Those are, those are completely separate things. So I'm of the, uh, of the mind right now that they apparently figured something out on defense. They found a much better way to play, and, and I know guys like Sam Holman and whatnot went in deep in terms of what some of those changes were. I know, for example, for a while we started bringing extra rushers to compensate for Rashawn Gary going down, and it just was not working. And so what we started doing is dedicating more pieces to coverage rather than pass rush, and immediately our pressures went up, which seems counterintuitive, but it's not. Because the reality is, when you dedicate more resources to coverage, the quarterback isn't able to throw as quickly, right? No, the pass rush is useless if the ball gets out in a half a second. This is a problem with a lot of these guys out scouting the college guys. It's like, well, he just never gets to the quarterback. Well, the freaking team gets the ball out so fast. But if your defense is set up to take away a lot of these options, a lot of these throwing lanes, a lot of these uh, areas where the quarterback can throw, if you go from holding the ball from 1.5 seconds to 2.8 seconds, yeah, your, your pressures are going to go through the roof because nobody's getting there in 1.5 seconds. But if you're holding on for 2.5 seconds or longer, if you can get them to do that, then yeah, your pass rushers are going to make some hay, even without Rashawn Gary. So like that was one of the things. I don't know. But look, just Gutekunst's job is to build a great team and you build a great team by finding great players. So the test for Gutekunst isn't, did he draft the right receiver? It's, did he draft the right player? Is he ever going to materialize into that guy that they want him to be? If not, bad pick. If so, great pick. I'm trying to open a tab, I accidentally closed it. And since I'm sick and I'm feeling like garbage and I have a lot to do today, I am just going to refer to you as Barry. All right, let's take it back up, not all the way to the top, but uh, since the pick. 
and see what Omar's up to. This one is Omar the Firefighter. I've decided to wait because I'm sure the phone lines have been blowing up. You keep saying that, but usually it's not that bad. Sometimes it is, sometimes it Don't wait, man. Just get it in. Pissed off about the injury. <laughs> and I'm M2. But I'm not going to talk about that that much because I'm sure it's been talked about enough by the time we get to this voice, man. But I will say this. Just like Rashawn Gary, who he mean, who who Ness was compared to, I was pissed off about that and being happy. Yeah. So I understand the pick. If he ended up being a great pass rusher, because all those quarterbacks, three quarterbacks pushed him down, then cool. You know, um, I'm kind of mad because Quinn Johnson is gone as well. Brandon Jigbutt, it's only like two more wide receivers, you know, that we want, including Mingo. So um, it's just running low. The tight ends are still on the board other than Kincaid. I was kind of mad about that, but it's all good. That's a deep group. So right now, I'm looking at our picks like this. All right. So I don't mind getting uh, Will Levis, the quarterback, if he comes to us. That way we have a, a, a backup QB. What are you doing to me? And if love, maybe not the answer. We can give him an opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to play. He had an arm and stuff, too. So that would be a good pickup. I wouldn't be mad about This podcast would just light on fire. Okay. Um, and we need to get a tight end. I don't, we, I don't care who it is, if it's Mayer, if it's, if it's Donnell Washington, if it's uh, Sam Laporta, whoever. We need to get these guys on tight ends. Most definitely get tight ends. And we definitely need to get these wide receivers ASAP. Can't wait on that. So um, I just were hoping... You know, everybody keep a random mind. We all know the Packers don't draft who we want. It just we should just get used right, to it. Right. But I trust in Goo. He does a very good job nine percent of the time. So all right, go pack up. Yeah, it's it's like I said. At this point it is a draft day tradition to be upset and disappointed by the pick. That's every year. It's part of the process. It's part of the fun. It has been that way every single year for me, going back to haha Clinton Dix. That was the last time well, Devontae Wyatt, but we'll we'll just, you know, the first first-round pick, I guess. That was the last time we took somebody, and I was happy about it. And that was basically just, we have a big need at safety. He is the clear number one safety. He wasn't supposed to make it to us. He fell right into our lap, and, and we ended up getting him, and it was just this joyous moment. But as you can tell, there really is no correlation between our excitement for a pick and the, the quality of the pick, right? We generally liked HaHa. Didn't work out super great. Right, we loved AJ Hawk. That didn't necessarily. I mean, he was fine, but for a first round pick, probably could do better. Didn't like Rashawn. Rashawn was great. Jair, kind of iffy. That turned out to be a really good pick. Savage. I don't really know. I, I know a lot of people. I I didn't really know much about Savage. So, um, yeah. So so that's part of the process. You, you tell yourself they're going to do something that I don't want. And Lucas Van Ness was on my I don't want list, and they took him, and I buried my head, and I was like, oh come on. And then you step back and you go, okay, so there you go. There's, there's the draft day tradition. They draft the guy that you said, please don't draft. Now you got to go back and, and re-educate yourself on the guy and find out what the heck is going on. Why is this the pick? Because there is a reason. And, and look, I, like I said, it's about projection for him. I'm not going to be able to go back and say, you know what, never mind, he was a dominant player. I mean, in, in a sense, he kind of was, but all the complaints that I had about him, I still have. I mean, I, I didn't remember to the extent that he had the power, and I guess I didn't fully... Because, again, you're ripping through these so fast, you don't necessarily 
spend as much time as we do now just mulling over it again and again and again and reading and understanding and learning and you know that you start to get the full picture which i don't do with each prospect as i'm trying to rip through one and then the next and then you know i'm trying to do 10 in a day i don't have time but i went back and watched and 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 although i liked him better as a prospect i still didn't love him for the exact same reasons but again he is a projection it's about projecting out what he can be and what they think he will be in time that is to say the packers probably don't even disagree they look at him in college and go yeah that's definitely not good enough but that has that's irrelevant to why we drafted him so all we can do is sit back and wait and see how he develops if he doesn't develop he will be a bad professional football player and i don't really expect him to be a, a dominant player year one at all i think there's too much work to do be awesome if he was say i mean i said the same thing about christian watson like he's, he's got work to do man he's, he's a small school guy you know, he could probably do some go-route stuff, but that's it. I don't expect much, and he obviously had a pretty substantial rookie year, even only playing half a year. But that's that's just sort of where I'm at now. And then, you know, again, then it becomes, and people are going to get mad because it's like, see, you're a bootlicker. You said you didn't like him, now you like him. No, I, I, I don't really like him. All I'm saying is I see and understand the pick, and I appreciate the process. I can appreciate why you do that. I think it makes perfect sense. It's the reason why I said we're going to take an edge rusher, because the process of it makes sense, even though I don't like it. The, the, the only other good thing is I can, I can also see to where he gets to be an elite player. And some of these guys, I don't know if I could have gotten there. Like Miles Murphy, I, I, I would have tried. I don't know if I could have watched Miles Murphy and read enough stuff to get to the point where I'm like, oh, dude, he could be freaking elite. I don't know, but I'm guessing there's not a lot of people out there saying he has Bosa upside. This Omar Firefighter again. Hey, I man. forgot about Brian Branch. Yeah. Um, but getting him for a second is not bad either. Yep. Um, I really wasn't too high on him. But, hey, we need safety. And if he could play slot corner, that won't hurt as well. Yeah. So, um, that was- yeah, and, and some of these guys i got to reevaluate. Because in my mind, it's like, I don't like Brian Branch. I don't like Brian Branch. Well, I didn't necessarily like him at 15 in terms of like people telling me he's an elite safety. And I'm watching it. I'm like, I don't see elite safety at all. But now we've kind of erased that idea and we're getting into the second round and it's like, all right, let's reevaluate that. Watch Brian Branch and say, is this a good second round pick? Right? So that that would be sort of the next thing. And I got to get out of that mindset of like, I just, I can't stand the guy because a lot of it has to do with where they're picked. Wouldn't be a bad, bad thing. So I'm still trying to be excited, but I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) if we, the second round, if we don't draft... A tight end, yeah, and a wide receiver in the second round, like receiver? one of the other. Oh, okay, one of the. I'm gonna be worried, and I'm be yeah. honest with you. We need a receiver bad, and I don't see us trading for D Hop, even though I would love it, because I don't know if we're gonna be really, we really contenders. But we need to trade a wide for a wide receiver or something. Like I almost kind of wish we got Corey Davis from the Jets, like somebody, yeah, because we are like zero as far as it comes to. Uh, wide receiver like right. no depth whatsoever so um just gotta hope for the best so we pick up somebody in free agency uh to get cut maybe do a roster cuts or something but this is looking scary but also just to make everybody feel better marvin harrison jr will be the number one wide receiver next year and we have two first round picks now, the bad news is we'll probably have to have a real bad record right. to be in the top five to get him because he's going, like, top five easy right. as far as wide receivers. So 
with our two first round picks, maybe if we're like the same where we are now, we might could get up there. Because the Jets probably were going to have a late round pick, so hopefully they don't do good. And we can try to bundle that up and go get it. Or maybe he'll push the number two wide receiver down and, you know, we'll be straight. So just look at it positively. But it's going to might be a rough season if we don't get some good wide receivers. So anyway, go back now. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to think. Like, you know, again, we, we there's so many things that all of us have in our head as far as, you know, <laughs> We look at the second round. It's like, well, who's left? We 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 tell ourselves like five, six players. There's a lot more options than that, and we've got to refamiliarize ourselves with a lot of these guys. You know, Joey Porter. I really don't want him, but uh, Brian Branch again. Don't re- uh, Will Levis. You know, linebackers. Drew Sanders and um, Cam Smith, the corner. Um, you know, there, there's an interior. There's a ton of interior offensive line, which I don't. I don't think I would. I haven't really considered that. But Osiris Torrance is still available. Uh, Steve Avila is still available. John Michael Schmitz is still available. Now, Torrance and Steve Avila are both sort of very big and mobile guys. I wouldn't necessarily, I shouldn't say immobile, but not massively mobile, um, necessarily see those as primary things that the Packers would like, especially with guys like, you know, whoever it is that they like, tight ends and, and wide receivers. But I'm trying to think legitimately, who would they draft other than taking tight end wide receiver. And that's fully understanding that they know it's a need. You know, last year wide receiver was a big need. What did they do? They 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 because they didn't get him in the first round, they they immediately did everything they could to move up. Well, let's let's do the who would be some of the non-wide receiver tight ends that I'd be excited about. The first one is Mr. Eddie Tamiwa Adibare. That guy was a jaw drop. I need this guy 100,000%. He is a defensive tackle out of Northwestern. We do need defense. I mean, as much as we need wide receiver depth, tell me we don't need defensive tackle depth. I mean, seriously, it's bad. Uh, Dewan Jones, really like him. Again, I, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be a good pick. I have serious concerns about Dewan Jones. I just appreciate the heck out of that guy just because he's a massive mauler. Derek Hall is a pass rusher that I really like, but I don't think we're going to double up on pass rushers. Could, but I don't think so. Um, that's probably it. So yeah, it's going to be a sad day for me. If we don't do that. And, and and again, those are just the guys that I like. That isn't to say there aren't a bunch of defensive tackles that I don't like that we could end up taking and that we still don't get a tight end and or wide receiver. But I don't know, man. We'll just we'll just wait and see. I can't imagine a scenario where we don't walk out of here with at least one of those two things. But if that happens, look, I you know, I understand process, but I also understand we're getting into a, a tough situation. But he, one final thought before we move on. You mentioned that you didn't think we'd go out and get D hop, and it may not be D hop. But the Packers are going to try to follow their process as best as they can, while also trying to make sure that they aren't in a really tough spot with like wide receiver, defensive tackle, safety. You know, do what you can to make sure you acquire those while still following your process, whether that's trading up, trading back, whatever you got to do. But if we don't get those guys, they will have to go out and get somebody. Might not be D-Hop, but they got to go get somebody. And that might be the first call that is made if we get through day two with no uh, wide receivers is to D-Hop's agent. Just be like, hey man, what you doing? So I think this was possibly the weirdest draft I've ever listened to. <laughs> um, that being said, I'm okay with who we got because, yeah, we all want offense. Um, but I think we need defense, you know? Um, if this guy can be a freak, well, then I'll tell you what, we're, we're good for a while. Um, 
And also, obviously, I think we can get some of those offensive people a little lower. Yeah. Do I want Donald Washington at 13? I mean, I, I want him. I want Michael Mayer. I want those two. I want both those guys, but I don't, don't know if I want him at 13. I love him in the second round. Um, JSN, I kind of liked him, but ah, at 13, I don't think so, you know? So I think there's some good stuff we can get in the second slash fourth round. I hope we can get at least Mayer or Washington. I listened to, I, so today I watched all, all the top tight end, you know, uh, highlights and Kincaid's awesome. Mayer's awesome. Washington's awesome. There's something about Washington. He just is a freak. Yeah. Like, he catches the ball and people bounce off him. You know, like when, when, the what's his face catches the ball? Our, our biggest tight end we got. The guy's been around forever. Mercedes. People don't tackle him. They just kind of grab onto him and try to slow him down. That's what they do to Washington. You know, Mayer, Kincaid, they get hit. They go down. They both showed some bursts running through some people, and they both showed some, you know, almost what I call a Robert Tunyon, where, like, when somebody tackles Tunyon, they just swish his arm around his knees and he falls down. But that, that guy from Georgia, golly. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because if we're talking about projection, like we were with Lucas Van Ness, who would be that guy? It's got to be Darnell Washington, right? I mean, again, it's not to say that Michael Mayer can't refine what he's doing and become better than he is, but we kind of we're drafting him based on how good he was in college. Like we want you to do that stuff you did there. Same with Sam Laporta. I really like him in college as a route runner and everything else. Um, Darnell Washington is, is really fun to watch and he's unbelievably raw. I just think he can do a ton more. And, um, you know, his upside is just absolutely absurd. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would be, Beyond thrilled if we ended up getting Darnell Washington after all this. After all the talking about Darnell Washington, that would be so much fun. He's just too freaky. Yeah. So I would love, God, plus he's such a good blocker. He fits our system so good. Yeah. But, um, and obviously they use the other tight end for a lot of the catching stuff. Obviously that's the thing against Washington is he isn't like a top-tier catcher, but God, can he block. And I think... Blocking's like singing. You either got it or you don't. It's right. either a God-given talent or it isn't. So he's such a good blocker. He can he can still catch the ball. He can clearly run with the ball. So, but I just I can't wait for the next two days. Blog. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, even if we don't get all the people we want, I'm, I'll be happy with what we get. And uh, freaking go, Pascal, man. Yeah, and and Washington's that true freaking nature guy. You know, um, kind of similar to when you watch Lucas Van Ness and he hits guys in the open field. Rashawn Gary is one of the only guys I've seen that does this. He explodes people on contact. It's one of those things where there's just this amount of power in their body. You know, when you think about like a sledgehammer swinging, it doesn't look like much. Sometimes you'll watch, for example, like boxers. They'll hit a guy. It doesn't look that powerful. There's just so much power that they have in their body where it looks like a normal tackle, but this guy's doing backflips. When Rashawn hits guys from behind, they, they just get freaking erased. The amount of power, like they're doing somersaults in the air when he tackles them. Darnell's that way. It's, it's, it's like I said, the, the only thing I could really think of is Shaquille O'Neal. If you look at Shaquille, he's tall, but he doesn't look jacked, right? He doesn't look very muscular, but his strength is unparalleled. 
And again, I, I told the story before, but they, they did a thing where this world-renowned arm wrestler, and he'd go up against, you know, Hafthor Bjornsson or whatever, like the strongest man in the world, and, and he'd beat him arm wrestling, but he went up against Shaq, and immediately, like, when it went, the, the arm wrestler just goes, oh, jeez, he's strong. And he, I mean, legitimately, that, that's the thing. Without ever training, Shaquille O'Neal could go do arm wrestling, have no idea what he's doing, and he could probably go win a lot. Maybe not at the highest, highest level, but with moderate amounts of training, he would dominate. I just think that's Darnell Washington. He has so much power in his body. Michael Mayer will never be that. Sam Laporta will never be that. That's why when you watch like the blocking, yeah, it looks a little weird because he's like six foot eight. But you're, you're watching Michael Mayer try to push that sled across the field. And it's just, you know, the feet are just kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking and it's barely moving. And Washington, he's just pushing that thing straight across the field like it doesn't exist. And, and again, you watch him block down the field in a football game and it's, it's just, he just, I, it's not like blocking. Blocking is like I'm trying to get inside of you and, and get my hands in your chest, and it's it's this fight back and forth. He's not blocking. He's a snowplow. He's just pushing you out of the way. It's not this. This isn't like a a give and take situation. This isn't me pushing against you and you pushing against me and me trying to block you from getting through me. This is me pushing you out of the way. Period. Now again, it looks somewhat unrefined and everything else, and yeah, he's a little clunky because he's kind of tall. And, but I really couldn't care less if he gets one hand on a guy and just throws him down the field like it's nothing. And, and, and the other thing is, worst case scenario, he's going to be so much fun to watch. There's really just nobody like him. And, and what you mentioned about Mercedes Lewis, too, how people bounce off of him. Picture that, but picture him running significantly faster, right? They're both basically Buicks driving down a football field. Mercedes Lewis is a Buick doing five miles an hour, and, and uh, Darnell Washington is, is a Buick doing like 15 miles an hour. They're both big physical freaks, but one is moving much faster and is going to absolutely crush people. So it's, it's hard. It, you know, you look at Michael Mayer and you try to be responsible and like, look, he, he, he is a much more polished route runner and much more refined and da-da-da-da-da. And Sam Laporta, oh, I love the routes and da-da-da. Darnell, though, man, it's, it's hard to not just blindly fall in love. Anyways, we got a bunch of calls, but we're not going to get to them, uh, mostly because of my rambling, and I apologize for that. But I also got to get ready for the stream, and I'm feeling like garbage, so I need to go find some medicine. You guys have yourselves a good rest of your day. Please, 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 please tune in to the stream today. All right, come check it out. I will do everything I can to get the link sent out to you. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter. You can probably, I think, find it on Facebook. I didn't check to make sure it was working. I know that hasn't been working lately. But please get on there. We're having a ton of fun. Not the most serious draft analysis you'll ever find, but it's just guys hanging out. So come hang out with us. Have a good one. Bye-bye.